2: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. Today's topic on shame is so important because it affects us all. It affects the way we show up for ourselves, our kids, our partners, or anyone else in our life. In those moments of shame, it can keep us from being present in all these relationships. When it's triggered, we often react, even unconsciously. We try to retreat and hide from it and so we often will lash out at the person who happens to be the closest by. Then we feel more shame for reacting and lashing out. Parenting has its own common areas of shame that so many of us experience. For example, a mom shared a story with me of the judgment she felt when in public and her toddler was having a meltdown and her 7-year-old daughter was not on her best behavior either, begging for something at the store when a couple of older women commented to each other about parents today being too soft and that's why we're in the mess we're in. How all of these kids today are too entitled and want everything handed to them. She immediately felt embarrassed, shame and anger all well up inside. Then she snapped at her daughter and felt even worse for allowing the feelings of shame to affect her response. Dads can experience similar shame, and I'll talk in a moment about men's shame versus women's shame, but I have coached many couples where dad really struggles with setting boundaries. Dad wants to be respected as the family leader, but he doesn't want to be a tyrant, He doesn't know how to command respect and not feel like a jerk, so he prefers to be more lenient, and then the kids walk all over him. Then he deals with a lot of shame about that. As one dad told me, I feel stuck between being a real jerk like my dad or feeling like a total pushover. I don't ever want my kids to feel about me the way I did about my dad, so I'd rather be soft than hard. Then I feel ashamed because what strong man lets his kids be in charge? Because shame can keep us from showing up for ourselves, first and foremost— which we need to do as an important piece of stepping into our power as a parent, then it keeps us from having the confidence that we need to be the patient, confident leader our children look to us to be. So today, I'm going to discuss shame in general. Three ways shame often shows up in parenting and what we can do to break the cycle so we are ready to show up more fully for ourselves, our kids, and anyone else in our lives that we care about. So first, the definition of shame, according to Brene Brown, who's a researcher at University of Houston, who studies courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. She defines shame as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. This affects the way we interact with the world and makes us feel isolated, trapped, and vulnerable. And she lists out 12 categories of shame in three key areas of body image and health, relationships, and social status. So I'm going to dig into common beliefs that cause shame in two areas of relationships, parenthood and parenting, and these are different. I'm gonna parse these out in a moment. But first, it's really important to know that there are 12 components and to know what your particular shame triggers are. Now for me, my shame triggers are more around body image and health, but we all have these areas where we're more affected than others. It's important to know these so that we know when we're triggered, because it's it's not just shame around parenting that can affect our parenting. We could struggle with shame around any number of things, such as weight and body image, ding, 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 like me here. If we get triggered by an event around our body image, we may respond unfavorably to something completely unrelated with our child or our partner. So I wanna get into the common beliefs for both men and women here so that you can see how these beliefs affect us and are particularly harmful to ourselves and those we love when we allow them to trigger our responses. Our beliefs about who we are supposed to be and how we aren't living up to this standard are widespread and insidious. They're often perpetrated by those in our circles, be they our own family of origin, not just parents, but aunts, uncles, grandparents, friends, media, strangers, bosses, colleagues, the stranger at the gym, in the restaurant, you name it. It can come from anywhere out of the blue in any moment and completely surprise us. So for women... We are supposed to be confident, but not ambitious, and certainly not more ambitious than the men in our lives. We're supposed to look attractive and put together every time we leave the house, but not too attractive and definitely not sexy. You know what they say about those women. We're supposed to look young, move with grace, be naturally pretty, a little makeup, but not too much. Don't you dare age or look tired, ever. Be thin and fit, but have some curves. And mothering should come naturally, and children absolutely come first. If you have a demanding career and you aren't around for the kids as much as they say you should be, well, why did you have kids? Also, as a mom, you need to be always perky, happy, and calm. Never raise your voice. Kids should be perfectly behaved at all times, or it reflects on you as a parent. Why can't you control your kids? So as you can see, for women in general, our shame and our beliefs that lead to shame very much circle around our appearance, and being the perfect balance of a natural beauty, attractive but not sexual, until you get behind closed doors, then you better turn it all on, and you better know what you're doing, and you better know how to turn on your man. Turn it on and turn it off, all at the appropriate times. We have to be perfect mothers, and it must come naturally. Oh, and if you have trouble conceiving, oh boy, you are flawed as a woman. Or if you're listening to this, you probably aren't feeling this pressure, but if you decide not to have kids at all, you must not be woman enough you're not fulfilling your role. But even so, once you have a child, when's the next one? Why are you waiting so long? Or if you have them too close together, well, that's not fair to the kids either. Now, in modern society, if you decide to stay home, there's all kinds of judgment around that too that can trigger shame. Aren't you a modern woman? Don't you want to be self-sufficient and independent? You really want to rely on a man to take care of you? Women are now supposed to be able to do it all, have a career but not too ambitious of one so you can be fully available to your family at the drop of a hat, attend each and every sports practice, performance, and game and parent-teacher conference, and if you choose to stay home with your kids and leave a career or have an ambitious career, not get married at all or not have kids or any combination of those, you are vitally flawed and you are not fulfilling your feminine duty to society. So as you can see, and I'm sure you can relate to so much of this, whatever your perspective is or whatever your experience is, you're probably relating to a lot of this. So now let's talk about men and the pressures and expectations and shame for men. For them, it's still an expectation of strength. Men must be strong at all times. They must provide and provide well for the family. They must move up the career ladder. They must be the main breadwinner. And if the wife makes more money, then you're both flawed. Women want men to be vulnerable, but not too vulnerable. You have to let us know you have it all under control. If you lost your job, don't you dare tell us you're scared. Tell us you have a plan. Tell us you have it together. We wanna hear, but don't worry, I have a plan. I've got this. And for heaven's sake, never ever show your vulnerability in the workplace everyone will lose respect for you. You will never get promoted or taken seriously again. Never do anything remotely viewed as feminine. Don't be creative or artistic and don't do dance. Well, maybe hip hop is okay, but definitely don't do ballet, that's for sissies. So for men, shame circles around social status, the house you live in, the car you drive, the school your kids go to, your career, your title, your job, your salary, and around strength as viewed by society anyway, which means you are never allowed to be afraid or show it. You cannot show what might be viewed as weakness in any form or a femininity in any form. If you are suffering and struggling emotionally in any way, you definitely have to keep that hidden many times, even from those closest to you. Women can be emotional, men cannot. So I'll admit that I fell into some of this when our kids were little. While I had an okay handle on my own shame around a lot of things, and had done a lot of work to be shame resilient, I was completely unaware of the kind of pressures that my spouse might be under every day about the kind of shame that he might be dealing with as the main source of financial support for the family. Like most men, he never talked about it. I mean, yes, I had my own pressures as a mom of three kids 20 months apart and in the beginning stages of starting a business, and so he never really wanted to come to me and talk about anything he was struggling with. But when he did have some struggles, when he got demoted from an executive role, and I know he experienced a lot of shame around that, that he did not share with me, again, because he didn't want to pressure me or didn't want me to feel bad about it because I was already dealing with three young children. But I'm sure it went way deeper than he felt comfortable telling me about. And then he ended up getting laid off a few years later. I just wanted to know he had a plan, that he felt confident that he had it all under control. I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to handle much of anything else. And this is how this plays out in a lot of relationships. So understanding not just your own shame triggers, because we will each have beliefs that affect us more than others, but if you're in a two-parent household, what kinds of beliefs are shame triggers for your partner, whether you're in a same-sex relationship or an opposite-sex relationship? It's really helpful to know what our partner's shame triggers are, not just our own. So you can begin to make room for them, allow a place to discuss them. This can be really helpful. Make a safe space for your partner to come to you to say, when you said X, it really triggered my shame around this. Start to ha- Starting to have these conversations, but recognizing it first. So now that I'm in my own household as a single parent, I am both, obviously, a mom, the nurturer, and the breadwinner. And I really appreciate the pressures and fears that go along with maintaining the financial support of the home. It's been a big area of awakening and growth for me, and I now appreciate it on a much deeper level what the kid's dad handled without me ever having to even consider it or worry about or think about for all those years. And I actually went to him the other day to express these thoughts and feelings to him. And it was nice to have this conversation and to connect in this way and to apologize for that and for not making room for him to come and talk about that if he wanted to or ever needed to. So three key areas where shame is often triggered in parenting, and how you can start to become more shame resilient in your parenting and outside of your parenting. I'm going to cover this right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com/podcast with the code PARENTING for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and Help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Now that we're back, the three key beliefs where shame affects parenting you may experience different ones or additional ones. So if you notice any others, the important thing is to bring them into your awareness because I'm going to talk about how we address it once we bring it into our awareness so we can become more shame resilient. So number one, believing that parenting and a particular motherhood is supposed to come naturally. Now, I don't, mean to leave dads out here, but women have particular pressures and beliefs around this because we carry the baby or have the anatomy to do so, whether we actually carry and deliver our own children or not. We've developed this belief system that we are automatically supposed to know what they do as if by instinct once they come out. So when we struggle with what to do when our child won't eat their broccoli or put their shoes on or go to bed, we can feel inadequate, a deep, deep sense of inadequacy I'm supposed to know what to do. I'm not mom enough. I'm not woman enough because I am at a complete loss in this moment and in so many moments of the day. So in these moments, whether you realize that this is the belief system popping up or not, when shame and inadequacy is triggered, you may turn to anger or lash out. Get in bed and stay there. You get so angry because they're not doing what you think they should be doing by you being nice. You just get angry. Then it perpetuates the cycle because then we're the mom who just lost our cool and yelled. Another thing we aren't supposed to do if we were a naturally good parent. Number two, the second misguided belief that can leave us feeling shame in parenting is believing that if our children misbehave or aren't well-behaved all the time or are slower to develop in some areas that it somehow reflects on our skills as a parent. This is a big one for a lot of parents but it usually shows up more pronounced when it's in public or around family basically anywhere outside of your nuclear family. I mean, yes, it can show up at home if it's just you and your child or you and your partner and your child or your children. If you struggle to get your child to cooperate, particularly ongoing, this can be a trigger for shame. I suck at this parenting thing. I don't know what I'm doing. And then it feeds off the belief, number one, about it coming naturally. But it also combines with if I were a good parent, my child would respect me. They would listen. They would cooperate. But in public is when this can really take hold, when the shame can really get triggered. The big meltdowns in the store, when you might feel like all eyes are on you, you feel you are feeling judged. God forbid anything else is happening in your life that's leaving you spread extra thin. Then it's a recipe for a whirlwind of shame because you just don't have the faculties to really deal with it in that moment. And as you try to gather your out-of-control toddler kicking and flailing, red-faced with shame, humiliation, embarrassment, thinking you never want to show your face in the store again once you finally escape this way too sobering parenting moment. And if a stranger should ever dare say a word to drive it home in that moment, you just want to disappear into the floor. But in your mind, you don't even need that. You don't need that stranger because you feel like you can read it on all their faces already. Or family. Family can be the worst about shaming. We all have at least one or two family members who feel compelled to tell us our child should behave better by their age or should be talking more by now. And then they proudly proclaim how all four of their children were speaking in full sentences by two, as if their memory really is that sharp. An experience I had was with my mom. My oldest son was a late potty trainer, and I hadn't started doing this work yet, and I hadn't done all the research that I have now. And I wish I had known then what I know now, or even what I knew once my twins hit the potty training stage, because I did know differently by then, and I handled it much differently with them. And it went so much smoother. But regardless, my mom in her judging, shaming mom way announced to me how my son should have been potty trained by now, as if there was something wrong with him or with my parenting for him not having reached that milestone yet. How dare I? The third belief I've seen really trigger parents and get in the way of their being able to be there for their kids in a more positive way is believing that if their child is upset, they aren't being nurturing enough, or they're somehow a bad parent, why can't I calm my child down? Are we not connected enough? A good parent doesn't leave their child to cry and, in their mind, suffer. In the parent's mind, of saying suffer. They feel like their child is suffering. So they try to balance this line of keeping their child from experiencing too many big emotions for too long and then feeling guilty about being a pushover. It's just this cycle that perpetuates and grows. Then they feel shame because their child continued to struggle with big emotions As they get older, they know their ways of handling it in the past have set up bad patterns, that their child is missing skills, and then they feel shame about this too. Then if they have a family member who comments or a stranger in a store, it really triggers that shame of not feeling good enough, not having shown up enough, not a good enough parent. They're damned if they do and damned if they don't, that they think they were supposed to be more natural at. So this becomes this whole self-feeding cycle. So how do we stop this? So as I've already mentioned, shame is not a helpful emotion. It's the opposite. It keeps us from connecting with ourselves and our kids. It keeps us from problem solving and moving forward, showing up in ways that are much more helpful and adaptive and healthy. So the first step is awareness. We want to be aware of societal beliefs and norms that trigger shame. So this is what I just covered for women and for men, and there may be more for you And then we want to know our own specific shame triggers around parenting or anything else so we can recognize when it rears its ugly head. We are making the unconscious conscious so that we can deal with it in a healthier way. The goal is to become shame resilient. Like I said in the beginning, we're not going to get rid of shame. It's not going to go away completely. But if we can become more resilient, it's not going to be so painful. It's not going to dig so deep. We can recognize it quickly, and what we want to do is we're going to turn it into more positive feelings. This is shame resilience. So how do we turn shame into a positive feeling? We want to face up to these tapes in our head that we're telling ourselves we're not good enough, not smart enough, not a natural enough parent, not thin enough, not curvy enough, whatever it is that you're running in your head. So we're going to face these tapes in our head, and we're going to tell ourselves we aren't going to play that game today. You want to ask yourself, is this really my feeling about this situation or is this a bunch of, I would use a stronger word here (laughs) in my daily conversations, but you get the idea. We need to strike that stuff down fast. It's bogus. Does that make me less worthy as a mom, as a human in your career, any other area of life? Am I really going to beat myself up today and be cranky with everyone because the scale is up? Again, this is one of my triggers, so that's why I'm talking about this one, but whatever that is for you. So I'm going to give some new narratives for the parenting beliefs piece of it that you can use when these come up for you. If there's other areas of your life that are really, and if you're really struggling with some shame that came up through childhood and those tapes that are playing, I I would strongly recommend uh, going through some therapy to work through those shame triggers because a good therapist can really help a lot with that. When i to talk about these parenting ones today and how you're going to come up against these and change these tapes in your head. Number one, the belief that parenting is supposed to come naturally or instinctively, especially to moms. You know, humans were instinctual hunters and gatherers at one point, too. I don't know about you, but I'd be hard-pressed to survive alone in the wilderness for very long, and I don't know too many people who could. I would have to be taught, just like parenting skills— Society has changed. Things are much more complicated in our domesticated society. We aren't hunter-gatherers, only teaching our kids to be hunter-gatherers and survive in the wilderness any longer. So when this belief comes up for you, remind yourself it's a skill that needs to be learned and practiced like anything else and problem-solve for ways to get those skills. Then be patient with yourself as you practice them and get better because it is a skill and it will take some practice. Belief number two, that our children misbehave or aren't developing at the same rate as some of our other peers, that you aren't a good parent, children develop different skills at different rates. And so long as your child is in the window for normal development, you're seeing progress in that area, their physical development, their language development, their social development, wherever it is you feel like they're not up to their peers. And you're checking in with your pediatrician about concerns There's no need for concern. Your child has other areas they are or will likely be skilled and gifted to. You may just not be seeing it yet. Then learn about development. There's nothing to allay fears and combat shame and misguided beliefs like knowledge. Belief number three, that if my child is upset, if they're dealing with big feelings, and especially if it's taking a long time for them to work through it, as the parent is trying to hold the boundary, feel like they're causing their child suffering. And I do have parents come to me with this a lot. They're having this meltdown, and it's going on for 20 minutes. They feel like it makes them a bad parent. So this is another area of skill. Remember, children's brains are very different from adult brains. So their capacity to manage emotions is going to grow over time. Some kids are also going to be a lot more emotional than others. Some kids have really big feelings. That's part of their temperament. So when we allow the big feelings, When we are available to connect, we show empathy, but without giving in on our boundaries, this is still the leadership role. This is still connecting with our kids in positive ways. We are being the leader that they need us to be to to help them reach their potential. And it takes skill and practice. So again, being patient with yourself. Not expecting yourself to have this type of advanced relationship skill with someone who's really not developed to the same level you are. It's a very different way of relating. And learning, practicing, and honing. Learning to be okay with their big feelings without feeling responsible for them, without feeling like you have to fix it. So you can be there for them, be a connected parent, without having to try to fix it. If you'd like to gain some skills in working with your children to become more cooperative, responsible, and respectful, as well as learning tools for maintaining your own calm as you learn and practice, the positive discipline classes cover all the basics, plus helping your child with anger or aggression, power struggles, honesty, and respect, peaceful parenting, working with your child's unique temperament. Or if you'd like to learn more about your child's development, how to work with it, and how to support them at each age, your developing infant, toddler, and preschooler, Or if these areas are going well, there are some great classes for working at the next level for self-esteem, raising responsible kids, growth mindset, mindfulness, education topics like finding a preschool, and learning styles and multiple intelligence theory for supporting your child's individual gifts and talents in the academic setting. All 60 classes are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have any comments or questions about what I covered today, if it brought up anything for you that you'd like to share please send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.